From Chagdagumpa Riggs and Lane, this is Listen, Contemplate, Meditate, a podcast featuring a range of teachings from the Buddhist tradition presented by Lamas of Chagdagumpa Foundation. Our website is chagdagumpa.org. If there's any questions, we could do some questioning now and then uh, before we start this other, other, other prayer. I don't want to ignore if there's any questions, because, yes. Actions could affect. That's loud. Sorry, that we're gonna be. Could affect your next life, and so I was wondering if you are born into like a life of suffering, does that life of suffering eradicate your past karma? So in the next lifetime, or oh, is oh, yeah. like how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking <laughs> that question. That's a. Uh, um, That's a good question. Uh, of course, it's what you say is according to the Buddhist teachings, and yes, our conditions uh, are the basically the aftermath of our previous uh, actions, and uh, but. It, it's not, it doesn't seem to be the case, however, that just because we suffer from our past actions, that that purifies them or antidotes them. Uh, think about it. I mean, logically, we'd all be in a lot better shape if that was so. Uh, but what comes in the face of adversity, of, of uh, what we would say bad conditions, limiting conditions, is that we react out of anger or stupidity or attachment in the face of suffering, which just further perpetuates that experience. Suffering, wouldn't you just further suffer? I guess that was my question. How do you get out of the cycle of suffering if you've already? Yeah, how does an it end? That makes you be born into a life. Yeah, well, that's an even better question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, but that is the. That's why we say samsara is is vicious. You know, the word is vicious. You know, it's a vicious cycle because it doesn't itself. It samsara in itself doesn't offer any other options. It's totally not fair in that sense. Uh, But it's not as linear as we might think. It's not this causes that and this causes that. It's like Kampopa says, even the, I don't know why they, even like jackals, a mother jackal, I guess jackals 
being a very belligerent, irritating animal or something, but even the most brute animal has some interdependence, some uh, soft spot for their own uh, cubs or their own children. You know? and, uh, and so that is, is a factor. You know, so karma isn't, I mean, to explain karma and to understand karma, we have to use kind of linear thinking. But in actuality, it's much more diff, diffuse, uh, much more, what we would say, maybe chaotic than that, as if everything completely disperses and then re-comes back again, each piece according to its propensity, you know. And uh, it's slightly f similar to the previous moment. To be able to actually change our karma is the one of the factors of being a human, because we don't just function on brute instinct or brute reactive, you know, we're not just absolutely reactive, like in, say, in the hellish experiences where there's just no options. You, 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 you're, well, everything is hostile and aggressive. Uh, but through uh, the maturing of one's own karma, then it, there's a slight Option. There's a slight shift in things. Even, uh, say, Buddha Shakyamuni, when he began his, his uh, how do we say, his spiritual path was from the hell realms. When he was, this is all, you know, the, the way that hell is described, where he was just sloshing through this hot lava, pulling this heavy, heavy, heart as the result of negative actions. You know, he was pushing, pushing, and he was being beat by the minions. You know? And he was teamed up with another individual, another hell being. And they're both pushing, pushing, and the Buddha noticed that even in the face of all this oppression and, and aggression, that, that this other one was having a lot harder time than he was. And so just that slight noticing of that, and then this act of deciding in the face of all of that to just push a little extra so that it would back off the pressure on his partner there, that act of kindness in that situation caused him to be actually, uh, as it's described, the minions became so aggressive because he did that that they beat him, like terrible, terrible beating until he died in that realm. And then he was born in a higher realm because of that throwing karma of that, of that uh, act of kindness, even the slight, just that. And uh, so everything kind of falls apart and comes back together again in slightly different ways. Uh, and then, again, as a human being, because of our perspective, we can sort of uh, have a, what do we say, we can, 
we can open up to circumstances and empathize, say, with others. So we're suffering, and we might think of, wow, there's people suffering more than I am. And we know from our experience that you know, people in, in great poverty are capable of great acts of generosity. Mm-hmm. And they give, like percentage-wise, you know, some, some person who's in really dire straits you know, sends $10, which for them maybe is a great, a great percentage of their uh, supporting fund. Uh, to benefit some flood victim or something like that somewhere, you know. And so, uh, as a human being, it's very adventitious. That's why we say it's it's the best of all possible uh, places to be born is as a human being. It's because we have we have a workable degree of suffering, we have a workable degree of happiness. We don't go way over the top, and we don't go way down. And so, at least if we have this, if we are in this special little margin of being able to, uh, as long as we can empathize with others, or see how others are, are faring in this world, then that's how we purify karma. But if our, if our world is so oppressive that all we can think about is ourself, that we don't even know we're only thinking about ourselves, but that's all we can think of, then there's, there's very little options. But it's not, you know, there's no absolute samsara. You know. There's nothing, you know, samsara has no absolute sector to it. It's all the process of delusion expressing itself as impermanence and governed by karma. Uh, Even like saying mantras and and blowing your breath on an insect before you say anything else, after you say a mantra. Interdependence has an effect on that insect, they say. So uh, the opportunity we have now to really, I think, really think about interdependence a lot. The more you think about interdependence, the more, uh, the richer your spiritual life is, the more you trust and have confidence in a spiritual practice. That's kind of where it comes from, really. It's just really thinking about how everything is impermanent. The more you think of how everything is impermanent, then you know that every breath you take has an effect. And through the, the compassionate intervention of others, people's karma is changed. So that's why for a spiritual practitioner, or for someone who's interested in uh, uh, benefiting others, uh, in that sense, in that spiritual sense, then... Our, our project is, or what we need to do, is learn certain things. Learn how to respond to circumstances. And then look at our own mind and see whether or not we're able to respond in that way, or whether that's over our head. That's like we say, maybe even just 
you know, forcing yourself not to do something is, is within your reach. You know. Otherwise, as you begin to grow in that and create space, we need space to operate, elbow room, so that when negative things land on our lap, we wait. And we just wait a minute, or wait a second. Then, in the clarity of that moment of waiting, we react in a positive, we can react in a positive way. That purifies karma. So purifying karma is not going through negative action, not what is it, not uh, uh, kind of bearing up in the face of negative actions so much. It's really turning that turning those turning uh, suffering circumstances into a, a profit, so to speak. You know, seeing it as an opportunity. Oh, this is really irritating. I could be. Could I be patient here? You know? And so we think, how do I become patient? As well. Like if you're waiting in line, you know, and you're in a hurry and like you're impatient, like, well, what about these other people in front of me? And what about the cashier? She's kind of challenged, you know, she's having a hard time and her boss is breathing down her neck and this. And really open up your mind to the situation. And with, you know, patience means being smart. It doesn't just mean I'm going to stand here and I'm not going to get angry. You know? It means really, it means knowing what's going on. We always want to try and know what's going on, even if we're, that's like meditation, just sitting meditation is, is knowing what's going on. And when you're out in the world, then know what's going on. If you know what's going on, then you'll be patient. Then when bad things, suffering comes to us, we get sick, say, then we know. This, we know, well, this comes from karma. So I should rejoice. This is good. This is a good thing. People think being sick is bad, but I think it's good because it was caused by karma. And I am, because of my relationship to this suffering, it is being purified. I'm not looking for blame. Oh, that restaurant, I'll never go again. Or this one is, you know, I'm never, you know, this, what did I do? It's not. It's really, uh, it, it increases your understanding of karma. Even if you think, well, now I'm sick. The Dharma teaches that everything is impermanent. So I shouldn't be surprised by being sick. Yesterday I was very, felt great. Today I don't feel great. That's what Buddhism is talking about as being impermanent. I get that a little bit more now. You know? And just become more knowledgeable, almost wiser about, it's not that I'm sick, it's just that I'm experiencing impermanence. So if we can do that, then we're purifying karma, see? And that's what dharma is for. Like I say, all dharma is process of purification. You know? It's when we forget dharma. Oh, I'm sick. Like, oh, okay. I got to take this pill, that pill. Something's wrong. I'm allergic to this. I got this problem or this, that, other. You know, we're trying to figure it out kind of from the win-lose kind of mentality. Uh, health, I'm supposed to, you know, 
all this kind of business, you know. Instead of just like like a Chigmelingpa, he says, uh, sickness is like a broom that sweeps away negative actions. Even if we just say, well, I have no idea what it is that caused this, but I know it was my, my actions in the past. That's purifying karma. You know, even to just be left with, with, the, with the not being able to pinpoint. Because everything is a combination of things. Even, you know, the karma is just that, like we mentioned yesterday. Everything is a combination of things. Even when we are sick, if we have the capacity, then we say, well, who's sick here anyway? You know? And then just meditate on, on the selfless nature of the body. You know? How the body also is just a, a group of other things. And it doesn't have an owner, per se. And this association I have with my body is pretty much mostly a fabrication of my own imagination and come to some sense of what Buddhism talks about of you know the non-existence of self-identity that things don't exist in and of themselves so it takes it takes something extra to apply to really resolve negative karma and have it promote our awakening to our, our nature. The, the other alternative is to just know enough to want to change that karma into better karma. But it's still within this conditioning of samsara. So any action, any process we go through to, to purify our karma has to have this element of, of enlightened asp- aspiration to attain enlightenment. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to rotate, you know, to, to revolve around ups and downs. We just figured out, well, if I do this, I'll get out of the pits and I'll get up to the top. But then up to the top, then you go down again. So it's not just getting up to the top, but it's I'm doing this uh, for the sake of enlightenment. That's okay. Is that clear? Because that's a big. That's kind of a. A big deal. You hear people saying, "Wow, I'm, I really, I'm really purifying karma here, you know, and really suffering." But they're really, it's just another form of complaining. You know? <laughs> they think they're purifying karma, but they're just whining about not accepting the truth of of the situation. And uh, the first, 
you know, the first generation of people that heard about karma, that was kind of the thing. Like, well, it's your karma, or it's, oh, it's my karma. But we didn't really know what we're talking about. It's just a more of a, a Eastern way of philosophizing things away, you know. But uh, there's really... This is when we, you know, the wisdom is developed through hearing or learning dharma, uh, contemplating on it, meaning questioning and resolving doubts, and then applying it. When we, when if we really learn the dharma, we should feel very humble. I say learning dharma bring, makes you humble. Uh, contemplating dharma reduces your kleshas. Uh, Contemplating and removing doubts of dharma, just the karma of removing the doubts of your dharma uh, reduces your attachment and aversion and bewilderment. And then applying it as a uh, applying it to the full range of your experience, once you have that confidence, then that's what uh, brings about all the all the qualities of the of the path. So if you if you're learning Dharma, then you it increases your pride. Then you then you're you're missing you're missing probably that your intention was not quite. Uh, you need to refine your your motivation as to why you were uh, learning dharma. Because think of it, the more you learn about dharma, the more you study dharma, the more uh, humble you should be. That's how it's supposed to go. It's sort of the chemistry or the karma of studying. This podcast is supported by the generosity and kindness of Chagdagumpa members and donors. If you're interested in becoming a member, making a donation, or if you want to learn more about Chagdagumpa, feel free to go to chagdagumpa.org.